Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The first reading is found in Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 12 beginning at the fifth verse. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. The second reading comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24, beginning at the 16th verse. We know love by this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that, has been, that he has given us. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I never knew how much I didn't know about the world until I had a teenage daughter. She absolutely keeps me up on the culture. She informs me of what I don't know and what I should be saying differently and how I should be doing my hair and makeup and all that good stuff. She's a really good girl, and uh, I appreciate it. And so every now and then she'll, she'll give me a new term that I don't know or a new phrase. And so the other day I was uh, going on about this new show that I, I watch mostly just so I can disagree with the host. Uh, <laughs> this guy, absolutely, he drives me crazy. So I was ranting about him, and I guess Abby had had enough out of me. And she says, Mom, quit letting that guy live rent-free in your head. I had never heard this. So I asked her, I was like, well, what does that mean, living rent-free in my head? And she says, it's when you let someone else's opinions take up space in your thoughts for free, at no cost to them. So it makes sense, living rent-free in my head. Actually, I realized after I talked to her, it was me who was paying them. I'm paying this guy with my time and my attention and my loyalty. Rent-free. That's what the hired hand does in John's gospel. The hired hand gets to live rent-free in the sheepfold. He comes and he goes as he pleases, and he only stays as long as it benefits him. He has no loyalty to the cause or the concern of the sheepfold, and nothing chases him off quicker than the first signs of danger to his well-being. As Jesus says, the hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves and and runs away. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. Pretty cut and dry. Now in church language, we call this relationship between the hired hand and the sheep idolatry. That's the fancy word for what's going on here. It's anything we put our time and energy into that is not of God. It's the things we allow to control our actions and to guide our values and even to determine the way we act in our relationships. We all have these hired hands. As a younger person, the hired hand in my life was much more obvious and easy to point out. You know, I struggled with misbehavior and drugs and alcohol, and it's really easy to be, oh, well, that person has a hired hand in their life. Get rid of that hired hand. As an adult, I still have these hired hands. They're just more subtle, but they're just as insidious. I was trying to be reflective on this and be honest about the hired hand I struggle with the most right now, and I'm thinking it, for me right now, it's really self-pity that I give free rental space in my head. I'm always looking and seeing what other people are getting to do and how other people's lives are going, and I start to feel sorry for myself, and I start scheming of ways that I'm going to get to their life. And These are just hired hands that live in my head. And that's what it can look like personally. For the church, Jesus says, the hired hand is anyone who scatters the flock. That's what's going on in John, right? Especially with priests. The priests are coming in and, and telling the church, well, these people who are sick 
They're sinners, so we got to get them out of here. Or, well, or, or they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay for sacrifices. I mean, these are people who are struggling to feed themselves. The blind, the poor, the lame, and they're going to have to make sacrifices. So that's what's going on in John's gospel, and they're scattering the flock. An even better translation, especially for our time, is to say, the wolf snatches them and divides them. Division is a great way to understand the power the hired hand has over the church. I think right now, the culture's greatest weapon against the church is the hired hand of politics. It is incredibly divisive in our time. Churches are under more pressure than ever to identify themselves according to the American political landscape. Every verdict is a litmus test. Every election draws a line in the stand that we have to claim our side on. Every headline is a battle cry. And I get asked all the time, it's shocking how often I get asked this, is your church liberal or conservative? <laughs> Thank you, Bob. It is ridiculous. And I just, I, I bristle at those categories as if you could claim that. And actually, some are claiming that. But we're neither of those things. That's not who we are. We're not liberal or conservative. We're, we're a missional church. We gather here to make sure no one we know goes hungry. We gather here to make sure the babies hear about Jesus. We we gather here to make sure no one that needs prayer is going without it. We live in response to Jesus, not in response to this culture. And I hope that we can continue to resist this idolatry. Lots of churches haven't been able to because the hired hand of politics is tricky. It is absolutely tricky. It, it makes people think that if you're going somewhere where the pastor and the people share your cultural values and your cultural politics, then you'll feel comfortable and safe. And there won't be conflict. It's a swan song. It is absolutely a tricky, tricky idolatry. It reminds me of this little guy. This is the uh, fork-tailed drongo. And you, you can't see real good, but he's got these beady little red eyes. Kind of tells you that maybe he's up to no good. It's a Saharan bird, and they are aggressive and fearless. He looks little there, but he's pretty big. And this kind of aggression and fearlessness makes him a great security guard. But they don't actually do any security guard work for other drongos. They don't like hanging out with other drongos, actually, except to make little drongos. Um, they, what they really want to do is hang out with mixed species of birds. So they'll get into a group of a, a mixed species flock, and, and for, um, for a little while in that flock, it'll work its little tail off, gaining the trust of these birds by providing like top-notch security. It'll stay alert for hours and hours on end, and it won't eat while everyone else in the flock is eating, and it'll signal to the flock anytime there's danger, like a, like a meerkat or a snake, and the rest of the flock really starts to enjoy this. They let down their guard, and they don't, they don't look for the dangers, and they get all nice and fattened up. And just when that happens, the drongo shows its true colors and intent. It waits until the flock finds just like this perfect, huge cachet of food that looks delicious. 
And just as the whole flock is settling down to eat it, the drongo sounds a false alarm and tweets out, meerkat, meerkat. And the whole flock scatters, and the drongo moves in and helps itself to this whole pile of food. And then it moves on to the next unsuspecting crowd of birds. That's what happens, both in our personal lives and in our church, when we give ourselves over to some other Lord. When we let some other Lord dictate and define us. When we let someone else keep watch over us. When we give ourselves to something other than Jesus. Our time, our loyalty, our best efforts. The hired hands of this culture, be they busyness or politics or money or alcohol or unhealthy relationships or whatever it is, all of those things promise that they're going to look out for us, that they're going to give us purpose and meaning and... But the very minute that someone else is available that can benefit them more or serve them better, they're out of here. And we're left depleted without peace, vulnerable to the wolves. It is into those moments in our lives when we've allowed hired hands to live rent-free in our heads and hearts that Jesus says, I'm not like that. I don't Run when the wolves show up. I turn and I face the wind. That is a Lord who doesn't just live among us. It's one who is willing to stay among us, even when we have welcomed in these hired hands into our lives. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to mine. That's really easy to say. It's hard to do. It's hard. It is hard. When we get ourselves into a hired hand situation and we've let other voices dominate our lives, it's hard to know when the voice of Jesus is that one calling. It's hard to know when it is Jesus calling us back into relationship with him. So what does that look like? What does the voice of Jesus stir up inside of us so that we can trust? All right, this is you, Lord. Well, I think it might look a little like the time I took my husband in for an outpatient surgery on his thyroid. He had to have a little nodule removed from his thyroid. We were just dating at the time, so I was trying to be a good girlfriend and take him to the hospital. So I sit in the waiting room for what I thought would be like an hour and a half. I mean, that's what he had originally thought, but it took twice as many hours for the doctor to come out. And when the, when the doctor did come out, he said, well, we had a little trouble in there. And things took a little bit longer. And he has lost quite a bit of blood. And there's these other things going on. And he is going to have quite a bit more pain than usual and a little bit longer road to recovery. So I think, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm gonna, preparing myself to go in there and, and see Kevin in kind of this poor shape. But I go in there, and he sees me, and he kind of straightens up, and he looks, he looks okay. I'm sur- I was surprised, but he, he really did. He looked fine. He, he was good. He was talking. And so I get him in the car, and he's quiet, but talking like normal, not saying anything. And I drive him to his parents' house so that his mom can look after him that evening because I'm not that great of a girlfriend. And uh, <laughs> no wonder it took so long to get him to marry me. Uh, when we show up, though, I walk him into his mother's kitchen And the moment he hears her voice, hi, Kevin, everything in his demeanor 
changed. He dropped his bag on the floor, his eyes well up in tears, and his shoulders droop, and I could see for the first time he was really hurting. And he was scared. And I could also see that he was just so relieved to be home. His mother's voice told him, You're sick, but here you'll be made well. That's how we know, brothers and sisters. When we've been away from Jesus, when we've let hired hands have the say over our lives for too long, that's how we know. Jesus promises us in this text that he will push his way through all that nonsense one way or the other when we've surrounded ourselves with all those hired hands and he will call to us and we will know it's him because it is a voice that both convicts us and liberates us at the same time. When we come back to this table, when we get back to his word, when we get back to the work that Jesus has set aside for us, it's because we've heard Jesus' voice calling. And it's a voice that tells us something is very wrong with where you've had your priorities. Yet you are now home. So let's get things set aright. It's a voice that brings us back to ourselves and gives us a chance to be honest and ask of ourselves, who is the hired hand in your life right now? Who am I letting live rent-free in my head? And it's also the voice of mercy and forgiveness that gives us the courage and the strength to say no to those voices and yes to the voice of the Good Shepherd who is always trying to lead us home to green pastures of purpose and meaning and hope. Thanks be to God for the voice of Jesus. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.